This, this is a Mila production. Welcome back to the Boredom Show. Uh, I should make a clarification. Last episode, I started off by calling this the art of talking, and that's not the direction that I want to go with with this show. And so after, right after the show, actually, I changed the name to The Boredom Project because I have been incredibly bored and this will be a project that I'm going to put a lot into. So um, with that being said, welcome to The Boredom Project. Today we have a special guest, longtime friend, Linnea O'Donnell. We went to high school together and she is now studying television writing and production at Chapman University. Linnea, welcome to the show. Thank you. What a time to be alive. I know, right? How have you been in quarantine? I've been doing okay. I took a couple, um, I've taken a couple ACC classes and I just signed up for a couple things like on the Harvard online and the MIT online Ooh, courses. Okay. So um, I'm also trying to work on my portfolio a little bit. But, so you're um, really getting into the online schooling deal. You'll probably be ready for the fall. I'm trying. Um, but sometimes all you can do is just get up and water the plants. That's exactly something Who's my grandma say? would say. You're what? My grandma. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we are one. We, you guys are one and the same. Um, but <laughs> before we get into everything, want to get into your yarn obsession. I know okay. you're really into yarn, so what's up with that? Um... I am not very consistent with it, but I love it because I, I have very dancing fingers. Someone described me as having piano fingers. Um, so I like to fiddle with things, and it's fun to have a proactive mechanism that comes out of the fiddling. My sister started um, knitting and crocheting in like high school, and then my grandma actually taught me how to knit when I was like 10 or 12. And then ever since then, I've been knitting. That's super interesting. It's a hoot. <laughs> it's a hoot. And yeah, the people couldn't see you. I can see you, but moving your fingers, that just Dancing added fingers. to it. They can imagine it. They can imagine it. Yeah. So this is this, like, that's just one of the things that makes me think of you as like one of the most interesting <laughs> women that I know in the world. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I know. It's like, there's a bunch of things, but along with that, you're a vegan and you've been vegan mm-hmm. forever, right? Or for, not a quite, for a very long time. For a very long time. For a very long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's that like living in Austin, which is like very progressive city, just being a vegan here? Is um, it being a vegan here is um, pretty tame. Like I, I started out, um, so like to give you context, I went vegetarian when I was seven and then I went okay. vegan when I was um, like 13. Um, and it was eggs that really like pushed me over. That was the hard thing for me to cut off. Um, but in Austin, it's super easy because there's a lot of, it's very trendy to be vegan nowadays, like 10, 15 years ago, it would have been harder, but, um, there's a lot of restaurants that have like cool fusion-y things and, um, really cool, um, like sandwiches and meat alternatives and such. But, um, like if you travel outside of Austin, people still give you, can you curse on this? Can you curse? Go for it. People still, people still give you shit for being vegan as if like not eating dairy or like it's not even that I mean there are some vegans that kind of come combat people whenever they um see them eating meat and what have you but I feel like that's dialogue that's not really necessary um like if you want to talk about the environmental impacts and like 
everything like that, that's a whole different conversation. But I think that if you're sitting down at a dinner table and someone's like eating a burger or whatever, I don't think it's ever appropriate to be like, how dare you do this? Are you aware of this, what you're doing there? Because like no one wants to listen to someone if they're screaming at them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also just like a personal preference. And um, on like the general scope of a lot of people go vegan for environmental issues um, and, and environmental reasons. There's many other avenues that you can um, combat like environmental issues with, like if you want to go low waste or use um, cruelty-free, environmentally sound beauty products or um, anything like that, because that also makes a difference. Um, So if you do not feel like being vegan or adopting a more plant-based lifestyle is for you, because I think plant-based is a lot more um, opening and like the the topic of plant-based um, which is just focusing more on fruits, vegetables, legumes, and nuts, as opposed to um, more processed things. I think that's a healthier lifestyle to lean towards. It's also um, more welcoming and less um, harsh lines. Because I think the going from vegetarian to vegan, it felt a lot more um, constricted. Like whenever I went, um, when I went vegan, people were like, oh, it's like even the term. Like if I said, oh, I'm vegetarian, people were like, oh, but you still like, eat dairy and you still have eggs and whatever but whenever you say oh i'm vegan they're like whoa whoa why are you coming at me so hard and you're like i'm it was just a word that's just (laughs) i'm just a word i'm just vegan yeah i've seen that definitely being attacked and it's it's weird to me just because my sister is a vegetarian and she tried being a vegan for a um i want to say like a couple months maybe and it was just weird because it was like I talked to somebody about how cultural it was because in a lot of other countries, um, certain types of food and certain types of meats are like a staple in their diet. And so for them, being a vegan is, I mean, something that you're just not going to do because that's just mm-hmm. not what you grow up with. Um, and so for like my household, my parents being um both not from the country, it was very like shocking initially and difficult for them to to make meals around like what my sister was used to eating. Um, but with that too, it's just like the people who look down upon vegans, I really, I don't understand that at all. Um, I guess the ones that do attack them and they're like, oh, you're eating chicken and meat and all this stuff and you're an awful person. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that either. Um, But, you know, there's all, like you said, there's different ways we can, different things we can do to help the environment and push progress forward. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all need to do. Um, There's also like a certain level of um, like socioeconomic status that assists mm -hmm. you in being vegan. Because like, especially in Austin, the um, restaurants that I spoke about earlier that have more plant-based options and like um, vegan options are usually more expensive. Like you're hard pressed to find stuff that's less than $15, um, like $10, $15. That range is like on the lower end of things. And um, feasibly for one person for one meal, that's not especially in this climate right now. Um, and just like generally speaking, that's not a feasible amount of money to pay for one single meal. Um, but there's also a lot of like vegan foods or plant-based foods that are in a normal, um, like run of the mill diet that people don't necessarily think about. Like, um, like, right. Like people will ask you like, Oh, is like rice vegan or like, Oh, is bread vegan? And you're like, many are like for the most part. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but 
I mean, with bread, sometimes there's eggs in it, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. But, um, I do think that a lot of people who are like the self-righteous vegans that are like, I'm vegan and this is like my, um, are kind of muddying the waters for everybody else and having those open dialogues about like what it means to be more that environmentally conscious. Um, but also sometimes like people because of their bodies and fuel and everything, a plant, like a vegan diet is not, it's too rigid for them. And like, it's not feasible for them in the, in the longevity of their health. So yeah, but yeah, it's a do lot what about you can, do what you can, drink water. Speaking of water, I just saw the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no, taking that. Speaking of water, I just saw the episode <laughs> of Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Uh, it was the second episode, and they had the water sommelier, yeah. which was absolutely crazy. <laughs> I would love to be a water sommelier. I feel like you do a really good job at it. I'd be like, this water has notes of water what was it minerals notes (laughs) there was a tcp level something i don't know what the yeah 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 i started looking that up actually and like um researching more and i think it's i think another part i don't know if this is in the same episode like when they go to france correct yes they go to france yeah i just think that that was also really cool to learn about how the french um, people take care of all persons in regards to water quality um, because water is not water is not water. Like, I mean, Flint, Michigan is still like exactly, not yeah. doing great. And um, there's in like bottled water. Yes. Is water, but is not necessarily the kind of water that your body needs. And um, there's just, it's just crazy to me that water, which is such a basic human need is not, is a luxury for many people and is um, even like high quality water that will be properly hydrating and nutritious for you um is not available to everybody but i think that america as a society needs to look at other places and see what good they're doing and try to adopt those practices but you know priorities (laughs) yeah it's priorities yeah and so like with that too i wasn't really gonna get into this today but i feel like we should talk about it um just because you seem very keen so far about environmentalism huh i said oh no oh no no environmentalism and (laughs) what we're doing here in the u.s and what we can be doing better um like you said earlier i mean there's multiple ways to get involved um you don't just have to drive a tesla or a prius or go vegan there's multiple things that you can do and i feel like you're a big advocate of that so what are some things putting you on the spot here that you think people like small things? Cause I mean, nobody's going to just get up and if they haven't been doing something already, take a leap of faith and just start mm-hmm. going like zero waste all of a sudden. But what is like small steps people can take? I've actually been, um, I've been like enamored by the zero waste community um, for so long, but there's also um, a level of, um, classism that goes with that because like if you are able to buy even if you just look at the grocery store like organic materials that are in um like that are not in packages are come with a premium um but that's a whole different kettle of fish so speaking specifically about um practices that people can impart nowadays i think um buying unpackaged foods when you can possibly um, drinking water with a recyclable water bottle, 
um, or a reusable water bottle, ideally. If you do use um, like single-use plastics, do your best to rinse them out and um, extend the longevity of them. Um, stay away from styrofoam. Um, a small thing that you can do whenever society gets back to where what we are accustomed to, mm-hmm. not during this pandemic, um, you can bring your own Tupperware as opposed to having to get to go boxes. That's not hard to do. Um, but there's a lot of levels of planning that comes with that. Um, so just from an environment, environmental standpoint, like turn off lights whenever you're not using them, um, turn off water when you're not using it. Um, hand washing dishes takes a lot of water. And so actually utilizing um, a dishwasher is important, important if you're doing that. But with that being said, it is, um, more corporations that are, um, that have the larger impact on the environment. So, um, like you can do letter writing campaigns, you can do like calling up different people and do your best to that regard. But, um, from a low waste standpoint, just doing low, like minimizing as much waste and stretching the, um, single uses, single use products, stretching that out as long as you can is more impactful because like, if you break it down to the, the, the biggest thing is like sourcing and like seeing where things are coming from and, um, trying to figure out what happened to them along the way. But it's difficult to pull at, pull at that thread without a lot of other things entangling, such as like human rights um, from outsourced materials and um, the impact on that. Like there's a couple clean products that are because um, the way that um, items be like to, ah, <laughs> the way that items are transported across um, like the ocean or to America specifically, um, it requires a certain level of energy to um, by weight. So what a couple of companies are doing now, as opposed to um, having them fill like their cleaning products filled with water and be like the proper solutions and everything, they'll give you um, like a single-use um, reusable bottle, and then they will ship you the powders or whatever um, ingredients, sands, the water is necessary for that cleaning product. So it'll cut down weight on the product whenever they're shipping them to the United States, which cuts back on fuel emissions. So all you have to do is like pour it into your bottle and um, shake it up and then you have your thing there. But there's a lot of specifics that I'm not necessarily well enough versed to talk about, but there's, there's many ways to do um, low waste, more environmentally sound things on an imperfect scale. And there's a quote that goes around. that's like, we don't need um, like a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need as many people as possible doing it imperfectly. Because, like, microplastics are a really big issue, especially, like, clogging the ocean, which is, like, your toothbrush bristles and um, other things like that. Because you can't scoop them out of the ocean as readily as other materials. Like, if there's a bottle, you can just pick up the bottle. That being said, don't use single-use water bottles as often as you possibly can. Like, I know there are some families that will just drink them as opposed to using, um, like, cups or glasses in their households. Um, But basically, just do what you can. Do a quick Google search if possible, but like use reusable things. And if you're recycling, make sure that you are comfortable with your county's recycling um, abilities. And uh, like Austin is pretty good. So as long as you rinse out your items and recycle them properly, you're totally okay. But um, like with reusable or with disposable water bottles, the little plastic ring has to be removed in order for that to count. Um, But there's a lot of steps you can take. There's a lot of things that you can do. Just try to adopt whatever practice is most suitable to your lifestyle and be consistent with it because consistency is more important than complete perfectionism every day because you're human. 
but stay away from um, styrofoam. Styrofoam's ugly. Don't use it. That's mean. Ever. You're just gonna call it huh? ugly to its face? Yeah, I will. No, it never it never biodegrades. It never does anything. It just sits there forever. Like if there was styrofoam that existed whenever dinosaurs were bopping around, it would still be here today. Are you serious? Yeah. That's actually crazy. I didn't know about that. It makes me mad. And also the sound is horrible. Just a bit. No. The styrofoam. Uh, the only thing I like can remember about styrofoam is when if I had a cup of styrofoam, it starts to chew would it. Would you bite it? I would bite yeah. it. I was that guy. I yeah. did that too. Okay. And you just like, until you get to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I ever got to the bottom, but I would, I would oh. buy, yeah, yeah, I would, I would buy a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, guess clearly, I was a more anxious kid. Yikes! Oh, Ugh. don't use straws. Yeah, the turtles. Yeah, but like turtles, I think, like also the like crush yogurt containers. Like if you ha- if you get a yogurt container, make sure to like scrunch it as much, much as you can because fish can get their head stuck on it. Also, like the the rings, like for the cans, rings, yeah. Cut them. I remember Sick that those. from Happy Feet. Yeah. That actually got Happy Feet. Who was it? Love Lock or Love Loss? Who got stuck in the. You know what I'm talking about. No? Okay. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking All about. Right. Yeah. Oh, also Ziploc bags. Um, rinse them out and then use them again. Basically, just like use, use, like try to use everything to the like to possible the extent that you can. Yeah. Before you buy the more environmentally sound alternatives. So that's a common thing that people do. It's like they get super excited and gung ho about being more environmentally like sustainable and stuff, and so they like throw away all of their n- not environmentally conscious items and then buy new. But the more important thing to do is use everything to the fullest extent and then make more educated purchases. So literally, like my family right now with Goya, mm-hmm. not the same, but we were like. Gosh, we, we don't want to buy Goya anymore, but we just have a bunch of Goya, so we're going to use it to the full extent, and then... Flip yeah. it off as you put it in the recycling bin. Exactly. Anyways, taking a complete 360 now, let's get into movie making, directing, uh-huh. producing. Talk to us about what you're doing at Chapman and what you want to end up doing in the industry, okay. in Hollywood, and movie-making, filmmaking? Sure thing. Well, um, at Chapman, I'm a TV writing and production major. I chose TV because it's um, the more well-rounded of the majors that are offered at my school. Um, I went, because, like, in the in the real world, <laughs> R-E-E-L, um, I went to dry, write, direct, act, and produce. So I wanted to be comfortable with all avenues of it. And also whenever you, I think it's really important, especially for people who want to be leaders in their profession to understand, um, at least on a base level, what the jobs are for all of the different people that would report to them. Um, because then you can kind of check people and make sure that they're doing their jobs efficiently and, um, offer alternatives if need be. And also it's important. There's a lot of lingo within the film world. That's kind of dicey, especially like cinematography is a little bit spicy. Um, spicy meaning like, new and funky. Um, but, um, yeah, so, um, I write and I, um, help sound design. I'm also, I love sound design, which is super cool. Um, Foley, which is, um, you probably have seen, um, a couple 
shorts or something about this where people will, this is something you do in post-production. So the base levels of filming, there's pre-production, there's production, and then there's post-production. And so um, pre-production is like all of your planning and your paperwork and all of that kind of stuff. Production is whenever you're actually filming. And then post is whenever um, everything gets edited together. You go back for ADR, which is um, autom- automatic dialogue, re- something, something, yeah, something that like that. Like it. It's whenever mm-hmm. you, yeah, it's when you go and um, if the audio is bad on a take, you have the actor come and say the line over it again. Oh. Um, yeah. And um, sound design is super interesting because that's, um, you can add to the mood and you can also like add the score and different sound effects that make the, um, the narrative more compelling. Um so I, I'm getting more into that and also like it kind of feeds into music and I love music with a burning passion. And so as like an, also a fun quarantine activity that I've been doing, I've been making songs and like beats out of sounds that I hear in my everyday life, which is super fun. Um, yeah, but ideally I would like to have my own um, TV show. I'll probably work my way up somehow. That exact path is um, TBD. But I would like to have my own TV show um, and potentially my own production company later on down the road because production companies are the ones that get to kind of like they go through all of the scripts and decide what um, what things they want to make into production and want to put out there, which is super fun. Um, yeah. So, so you think, we shall see. You think that will ultimately – sorry. You think that will ultimately be, you know, having a TV show, would that ultimately lead – as like a stepping stone to production or having a production company or is that just something like if it happens, it happens or I'd really like this to happen. Well, um, from a feasibility standpoint, uh, having your own production company takes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, um, I will, it depends on what Avenue, um, is cause I'm going to keep exploring as many avenues as possible from a lateral standpoint and then see, um, what, what takes kind of a deal. Um, but having your own TV show and having like your own projects or your own set of projects, you build up a rapport with, within the, um, industry, which gives you more cred. And so you're more likely to have your own, um, production company. Like Reese Witherspoon made her own production company a couple years back, but she, um, has been a notable actor for most of her life. So she has some money in the bank that is not currently in Linnea's bank. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like a, a general overarching plan, but the order of things, I don't really care that much about what order it ha- what order of events occur, but, um, we shall see. Hmm. Is there, I, I want to mix up. You want to mix, mix it, up? it up? Mix it up. Yeah. In a bowl. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. something, is there like an avenue since you've been talking about various aspects of it? and you're studying various aspects of, of filmmaking and production and everything, is there one that you find yourself being a lot more passionate about, or is it still kind of just, you know, all over the place right now, and you're trying to grow mm-hmm. into something? I love most aspects of storytelling and most aspects of, um, I think the most beautiful thing about cinematography and about film and about TV is that it shows empathy in like a wider scale. Cause it's easier for people to, it's like something about something about it. Whenever you go to see a movie or you're watching a TV show or whatever, you are drawn into these characters lives and you're drawn into these scenarios. And I love that 
level of empathy and compassion because I think it's a strong avenue for um, propelling society into a more progressive trajectory. Um, so I really love production, but what aspect of production? Not qu- really quite sure. I probably like I would love to be a director, um, and a director is involved in all avenues of production from pre-production, actual shooting, and post because it's their interpretation of the script. And so um, on TV shows, the writers of scripts and the actors have more power. Directors are are more come and go. Like some longer term um, TV shows will have um, numerous directors that have floating in and out. Um, Whereas a movie, your director is the head on show. Whereas like on your TV show, your showrunner or your, um, the showrunner is in charge of scripts and like kind of keeping continuity within the characters over the trajectory of the show and they're going to have more power as are the producers um so but i also love acting and i love um performance in that regard so i don't know it's really hard it's really hard to say like specifically what i would want to do but um just all all avenues of story are really compelling to me and like if you can change a person's way of thinking or um, get them to feel for a character that they wouldn't normally, even for just a second, I feel like is really important and really impactful. Hmm. So like as a director, what are, actually, I feel like you explained what I'm about to ask. So I'll ask instead. Okay. What, yeah, sorry. I'll ask instead, what, what do you think makes a good director? I think a good director is someone who, is um, good at communicating what they, is it like an effective communicator? Because you are in charge of making sure that the actors feel, or the talent feels comfortable and supported and um, like that they can grow within those characters. Because there's a lot of times um, that I've acted in student productions and um, the directors have been, but that, we're in a learning environment, so I'm not expecting them to be perfect, but a lot of times directors get so caught up in their head and their vision that they can't effectively communicate what they're expecting from the, from the actors. So it'll get a little bit tense. And also um, a good director is organized, at least in like their vision. They need to make sure that they know what their vision is meant out to be. And also they need to be adaptable because whenever you get onto the physical production of things, um, depending on what the first idea is, the first assistant director and their main goal is to, or main job is to keep the production on schedule. And there's different things that go into line with that, but um, they're making sure that you can get every shot of the film that you need to within the confined time. Um, And they're also in charge of like dealing with child actors and, that kind of stuff. And then they have assistance and everything like that. But a director is adaptable, um, organized, empathetic, an, an effective communicator. Um, and yeah, I just think, but within the adaptability standpoint, they also, it's a balance between adaptability and um, firm enough in their vision that it's not like, oh, but what if we do this? Like, oh, but what if we do this? Like, it's okay to have options whenever you're shooting, but depending on your budget and depending on the length of your shooting schedule, you're not going to have a bajillion and two takes you can do every time. But 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. I clearly don't know that much about the industry, but I feel like with everything that you're talking about and how you want to do multiple things, you're at a good spot just because you're young and you're at Chapman and that's going to provide you opportunities to explore those different avenues. Um, But one thing that's pretty prevalent in the film industry is its lack of woman. And Mm -hmm. as a woman yourself, what do you feel about that? Um, well, I mean, historically, yes, like we're getting to a place where there are more women, Mm -hmm. but, um, the problem, especially with, I don't know if you, have you seen Fleabag or potentially Killing Eve? Okay. Both of those productions, um, at least the first season of Killing Eve were written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge and she is a, um, She's a writer and a producer and an actor and a director um, from England, and she acts in Fleabag. Um, and there's always discussion whenever like a new woman comes into prominence, as like there's some sort of competition, as if there's only one seat for a woman at the table. Mm. And um, they're like, "Oh, who's she going to knock out this time?" And like, "Who's going to be the next this person?" I never like the statement of who is going to be the next this person because that I think ideally, especially in the creative field, every new creative person brings their spin to whatever is happening previously. Um, but, uh, I think the problem is within all minorities, whether that be, um, race, creed, gender, gen- like all of those different entities, I think there needs to be more diversity, both, um, behind the camera and in front of the camera, uh, in front of the camera, we're getting to more of, we're getting more diverse faces on screen. We still have a lot more time to go, but um, behind the scenes, it's still a very male, white male driven profession. Um, most cinematography, cinematographers are white. Most DPs are white. Most um, directors are white and male. Like there's just all white men. But uh, we're, we're starting to mix it up a little bit, and there are some more women that are getting more positions, but with that comes equal pay. And um, I think it's just good that we're moving in a trajectory where the people's stories that are being told are being told by people who share the same identity in one way, shape, or form, which is super important. Because um, even if you just look at, if you look at how a director who is male shoots a, a, woman, a woman's story, it looks different than how a woman would shoot it. And um, I'm excited to see what the upcoming decades look like um, as we move towards this, because I think that there's been enough of a spotlight on it that people are more conscious of the disparity within representation. But there needs to still be a bigger table. There still needs to be more conversations. Um, there can't just be like one token a woman and person of color like there's there, that needs to stop being the they're like the deemed okay gen, by the general public and I think that that we're moving in a position where um, more people are speaking up and more people are feeling comfortable enough to speak up um, because of whatever their identity is and because of the ramifications of them speaking up they have been silenced and um, I think now that Social media has become more, I, I have mixed feelings about social media, but I think the best part about it is that you can um, get people to back your story a lot easier, which is has both pros and cons depending on the 
um, validity of that story. Not to say that people's stories aren't valid, but sometimes I think um, things are taken out of context and pushed down, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. But we have a lot of very powerful women that are now making, not just like plunging forth for themselves, but they're also pulling up extra seats and helping other women up to the table. And I think that's really important for the future. And also it's, it's frankly really boring to see more, Mm -hmm. um, like more white men telling the same story and shooting the same thing. It's not interesting. Like once you've seen beige and various different construction shapes or whatever, it's, it gets boring. You need to add more interesting stuff. You need to liven it up more, have more perspective, different perspectives, varying perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. I mean, it's with, especially with the last part, just saying like, just thinking how, how much more diverse movies in general need to be and how that plays a factor, plays a factor in, in like the enjoyment and um, just many other things. Like, like you said, you don't want to be seeing the same movie over and over again, just told in different ways. If you have more people, of of different creeds like telling those stories and you have if you have more people like that more diverse people telling those stories you're going to get a lot more different types of stories and i think that'll be Mm -hmm. beneficial for everybody and i feel like that goes for not only the movie industry but a lot of other uh, other industries in in the u.s and globally too but i mean with that too are there any and you're all over the place, so you can pick mm-hmm. whoever. But, like, are, are there any people that you draw inspiration from? Um, okay. Um, yes. I mean, I find inspiration mostly from people who take a moment and really, like, see what's going on. And they don't have tunnel vision in regards to things. Um, like, I love Kristen Bell because she has been very vocal about... I love people who speak their minds and that are very vocal about things and also put, like, their money where their mouth is um because she um her and her husband Dak Shepard I, I don't know if you've heard of Hello Bello which is like their baby company that they sell at Walmart but basically both of them are from um Michigan yeah I think they're from Michigan Michigan and um they were raised in um like middle low income areas and so they saw how people were treated and um now moving in California and now they have more money behind them they see how babies are treated differently um, in regards to products. So, like, their tagline was, um, like, the mom's approved products at the dad's price or whatever. So their goal is to make clean and healthy baby products for people who are of a different socioeconomic class than California necessarily California market caters to. And I think that's really beautiful. Also like Reese Witherspoon back to her company. I think it's called hello sunshine. I believe something like that. She has started to um, take women of color, like taking their books and their stories and making them into miniseries and TV shows. And um, that's really beautiful because you can now see um, like even more representation. It's also like women. I think it's also, it's by her and Nicole Kidman. Um, yeah, I think they like co-own it and co-run it because like they produced Big Little Lies and also like Little Fires Everywhere. Um, she also acted in. Um, so I just think I love people that look forward, but also to the sides and they see like who else can I bring up? Um, 
Greta Gerwig, Angelina Jolie, Ricky Shaw, um, Ava DuVernay. Um, there's, there's a lot of really kick-ass women that are getting like starting to gain momentum and starting to gain the, um, attention that they deserve. Um, but also there's, there still needs to be more. Like there's the fact that like I did a, I'm also an RA at my school and I, which is a resident assistant. And, um, I decided to do like a women in film poster and I had to look up more women in film because I couldn't off the top of my head based on after two years of film school, I still wasn't unable to recall or like be familiar with women who made a big impact in the industry. And I think that that is something that needs to change. I think there needs to be more people that have been, because there, there are women and there are people of color that have done amazing things in the past, but they're just not spoken about and they're not taught um, what the frequency is, the countless of white bearded men who happen to wear glasses. So like, it's just like, there needs to be more, but we're going somewhere. Tomorrow's eventually. That's what I have to say. Play. Tomorrow's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Elon. Okay, so. He's moving to Austin. Elon's moving to Austin? Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to Mars first. No, yeah, I think they're oh. they're moving a company to, to East Austin. That is actually mm-hmm. true. Oh, yikes. It's going to be over there. Big mega plan. From a gentrification standpoint, that, like, mm. that's Hopefully what I don't like about Austin. Jobs. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. To cap this off, to cap this wonderful conversation off, I'm play a little game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you three actors, A-listers, I hope, mm-hmm. and I want you to put them in movies that make absolutely no sense for them, for their character. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot, off the top of your head. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Uh, okay. Number one, Zach Efron. Okay, Zach Efron. Um, I really liked his twist of the um, extremely wicked, incredibly cruel, or whatever, the Head Bundy yeah, biopic thingy. I really liked his character in that. So I think maybe something like almost split-y, where like, he gets to dip his toe into a bunch of different pools. Because when I think of Zach Efron, I think of like the hunk and like the guy who like, can casually sing and... Um, is like a pretty happy and joyous character usually plays that kind of thing. So I think it would be interesting to see him portrayed in a more sinister role, but also one that can kind of test his acting chops a little bit more. I think that'd be pretty interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. I've seen I some... also love Zac Efron. What a guy. I know. I know. <laughs> this one, this one was probably maybe a little bit difficult just because she hasn't been, I feel like her two roles have been pretty different. So Tessa mm-hmm. Thompson, she was in Creed, right? She was in Creed, and she was also in Thor Ragnarok. Thor? Yeah, yeah she played the, um, like the kick-ass... Kick-ass Valkyrie. Warrior lady. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think she sings. Doesn't she sing? I have no idea, but that would be super cool. I think she sings. I think it would be know, really cool. I would love cool. her even more if she sang. Like, I believe... Because I usually look up actors and actresses after I see a movie, and I think that she... I think she's a backing in Shakespeare, like an in Shakespearean acting. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to see if she could sing. Um, <laughs> maybe in a musical, like if she's in like a like a chorus line or something like that, like a classical musical. Huh. I think that'd be pretty cool. I would love. I would. I would pay to see it. 
I think. I mean, La- I think La La Land reinvigorated the whole um, movie musical genre, which is exciting. Yeah, I like it from a Cats movie musical it. genre thing. It really pissed me off that people thought that La La Land was the first movie musical. I was like, Brigadoon, On the Town, Sing in the Rain. Like, there's so many. Like, have you heard of Sir Jean Kelly? Mm-mm. Anyways, but I think it'd be really cool to see her in a musical. In a musical. All right, last yeah. one. Last one. Mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson. What are you putting in? Okay. There? I mean, he's, he's like basically really done fair, everything. Right? He has done everything. Um, I would like him to be in an animated movie. So about his voice. Yep. About a worm that was left behind after the family that lived in a plant was taken to a different garden. I'm going to say it's marketed to kids or maybe it could be like a, a sausage party thing where it's like an animated thing, but it's marketed towards adults. That might be cool. Or, or it could be like, Oh, I really like the whole, um, who framed Roger rabbit, like Scooby-Doo thing where it's live action, but like there's elements of animation that are put into that. That might be a cool thing. So if he's just like, walking down the street and then all of a sudden there maybe he's like a, a worm wrangler and he's just like a little little weird dude who goes and collects worms i don't know why but i really want him to be involved with worms in this pick i feel like if he was a worm wrangler that would be like perfect for him <laughs> uh, that would really be perfect i can already see it like like circle glasses yeah i just circle feel like he'd look really good with circle glasses and like a vest with like pockets. And like a cowboy hat. Samuel yeah. L. Jackson is the worm wrangler. And he could have zip-off pants. <laughs> what would you what would you use to capture a worm? Like your hands? Um I feel like you would have a little dish, like almost like a petri dish, but like a thicker petri dish, like a container, a firm container, and then maybe some sort of plastic tweezer. But like a plastic tweezer meant for kids, so it's not like gonna pinch it, you know, and just kind of grab it like a tong, um, like a cooking tong. Yeah, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't wrangle worms, but I feel like I feel like that would be someone else's either. job to figure that out. But I think it's doable. I think he could do it. I think he'd. Rock would you it. produce this? Would you would produce I this? I produce it. A hundred percent. Could I afford okay. to produce it? Zero percent. I mean, he's like worth billions of dollars, right? So we could he probably could produce could, it. We, we could pool it together, try, try to get him on board. I think we should give him a call. Yeah, or like DM him on Twitter. Let's DM him on Twitter. That's going to close us out. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show and for talking about your passion. And we really look forward to what you have to continue doing in the future. Is there anything you have to plug, you want to plug before? Oh, I will be... Um, my YouTube channel will be popping up within the next month or so. Um, it's going to be skits, some shorts, a couple things that are just going to be me talking. So I hope I have a pleasant enough voice. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'm going to start um, whenever I get back to Chapman, which is going to be in a couple weeks, like two weeks, uh, I will be quarantining and then I will be going from there. So I'll probably do a little vlog, a little this, a little that, probably some music videos. Nice. Well, when that starts, we'll definitely put the link in the description so you guys can go check out Linnea O'Donnell's YouTube channel slash vlog 
slash everything else she's going to be doing. So again, thank you so much for being on the show. Ton of fun. See everybody next time.